The following is a podcast from St. George's Episcopal Church in Arlington, Virginia. We invite you to support the ministries of St. George's Church through a one-time or reoccurring donation. To give, visit our webpage, www.stgeorgeschurch.org. The word saint is spelled in full. St. George's is a vibrant and inclusive community that is committed to loving God, serving others, and changing the world. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now. For it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, my Christ. Holy Spirit, inspire the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts this day in the power of your great name, our creator, our redeemer, and our inspirer. Amen. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. We celebrate God's servant bringing forth justice to the nations, but the way in which that might happen can be more roundabout than we might expect. My parents take both the Boston Globe and the Wall Street Journal. I've tried to echo their ability to see both sides, but they recently shared an article from the later the latter publication describing how designers of machine learning have been seeking to mimic the curious, creative, and rapid learning processes of a human baby. In particular, DARPA's artificial intelligence designers have actually brought in child psychologists in the interests of imitating some aspects, at least, of the top-notch and heretofore unrivaled wetware of a newly arrived human. 
This AI technology is both literally and metaphorically still in its infancy. I couldn't resist that one. I was only in middle school, after all, when uh, the world champion and grandmaster chess player Gary Kasparov bravely and famously played a series of games against IBM's Deep Blue. And while the infancy of AI at DARPA today has clearly benefited from the expertise of those who have made an academic study of child's play, the article was careful to describe how the technology itself is still not yet independent. In other words, the machine learning still depended on a programmer who acted as a closely hovering helicopter parent for guidance, protection, redirection. So when Luke, Matthew, and Mark record Christ telling the disciples, suffer the little children to come to me and do not stop them, for it is such, to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. I doubt that they anticipated that 2,000 odd years later, adult humans would be designing machines in the hopes that those machines would also be able to behave like such as these, such as these children. For the sake of bringing justice to the nation and the perspective of those children to the rest of us adults. After all, I usually think of the words of Christ the servant of God, as an invitation for Christian humans to embrace their own inner child, to honor their emotions, to learn from the wisdom and kindness of children as best we can in ways that are both appropriate and respectful. And while the Gospel of Matthew stops there for whatever reason, the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Mark both take the logic to its contrapositive, where Christ goes on to say, Truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. What exactly does it mean then to receive the kingdom of God like a child? Are we called to imitate a child's stubbornness? Are we called to imitate a child's take-no-prisoners style of negotiation, whether at bedtime or bath time or mealtime? Are we called to imitate a child's curious heart and fearless willingness to ask questions? Are we called to imitate a child's friendships? Are we called to imitate a child's imagination, creativity, and sense of adventure? These kinds of questions get at the central question of what it means for us to celebrate the baptism of the Messiah this Sunday. After all, our baptismal font has that very scripture written on it. As we step up to the altar, we pass by that baptismal font that says, Suffer little children to come unto me. And so, as we remember our own baptismal covenant, in many cases we will be remembering a covenant made for us by the adult or adults who nurtured us to, to our own adulthood even for those baptized at a time of their own choosing, whether in youth or adulthood or as a child, the adults who raised us still give us that initial embodied, encoded understanding of family. We can decide if we want to do something different with that imprinting, but my point is that the covenant that contains our full relationship with God 
is an intergenerational one. Elders learning from youth, as well as youth learning from elders. When we read from Isaiah 42, and as Christians, we might hear a reference to Christ in that passage, we can also remember that Scripture is multivalent, multilayered, worth interrogating, offering ever more powerful wisdom the more we study it, with multiple meaningful interpretations from each text. Isaiah 42, for example, has also been read in the Hebrew understanding, in the Jewish understanding, as a reference to all of Israel as a collective servant of God in the world. In the Hebrew language, the, the male plural is used to describe a group of individuals that includes male and female, regardless of gender, all genders. So when we hear of Paul writing of his vision of Christians being grafted into Israel, as a wild olive branch could have been grafted into a domestic tree in the ancient world, we are being given the image of the gathered congregation as being grafted into Israel. We are, in Christian understanding, Christ's body, a congregation gathered to receive the body and blood of Christ, to recognize the risen Christ in the breaking of the bread, to bring forth justice to the nations, and perhaps hardest of all, to recognize in faith that you are God's chosen, in whom God's soul delights. Grace is the way in which God has already chosen you, not the other way around. God is already delighting in you, whether you recognize it or not. Our second reading clarifies how familiar crucifixion was in the ancient world. To see someone suffering was nothing new. However, to witness the risen Christ was and is something else entirely. The question for us today is, can we recognize the risen life when it is among us? Can we acknowledge risen life in our midst? Can we receive risen life in our hearts? When we receive Christ in the Eucharist, we are embodying a risen belovedness. We are embodying the risen presence that is God's Son, the beloved, with whom God is well pleased. This is true regardless of how well a computer can play chess and is true regardless of how well we are able to play chess ourselves. It's simultaneously the most banal statement one could possibly make and also the most powerfully transformative affirmation one could possibly make. A verse that will renew us from the inside out if we dare to pray it out loud, if we dare to believe it in our lives. Here is my child, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. You are God's child, the beloved, with whom God is well pleased. And in hearing this, in affirming this, we just might hear God's voice from the Hebrew Scripture. For us, here is my servant whom I behold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon her and upon him and upon them, and they will bring forth justice to the nations. Amen.